You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down, play fake to Thompson. And across the middle, and it's intercepted by Jabril Peppers. He will go to the end zone. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hey Grump, how you doing? I am in White Marsh, Maryland for work this week on location uh, for nothing really, just <clears throat> just working in a hotel. So uh, nothing better than killing a night than talking about my favorite football team with my favorite Grump. There you go. I thought maybe cousin would be thrown in there. I thought maybe. No, I'm not even. You might be in the top five. I don't know. Uh, No, we'll see. I'll do an evaluation soon of the family tree. But right now, if you're doing it, I know it's going to be like a March Madness style bracket of the entire family. And, you know. Yeah, let's just uh, say you're probably low hanging fruit from that uh, family tree. I'm at least Elite Eight. We'll see. Okay. Well. Um, congratulations, Giants fans. You've made it. You have made it through an offseason and into the 2021 preseason. I thought 2020 would never end. Thankfully, it, it at least started. Um, you know, we, we had a whole season last year. That's pretty awesome. It's actually monumental when you think about it. But we're going into now 2021, and we're putting all that shit behind us. You know, the Giants have plenty to build on, and, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But but today is training camp day one, and that's exciting, and you should be excited. There's no reason not to be excited. Even if your team sucks, which the Giants don't look like they're going to, you should be excited because it's the beginning of a new year, and we're lucky to have sports, really, truly. We, we really are. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky we have everything at this point, considering where we were last year. And sports is obviously it's meant to be an escape for all of us, you know, from the daily, you know, humdrum of our normal lives, whether it's working, you know, raising a family, all the things that, you know, we do on a day to day basis. And we, we need a little escape from reality. That's what sports provides. I mean, some people take sports too much to the extreme and give themselves aneurysms and just unnecessary stress, worrying about things. Uh, Grump and I, we love sports as much as anybody, but we know that sports is something that is an escape for us. And we are very happy to have it back, not back in a bastardized version. Like we saw last year, like they were playing the games, but you don't have the fans watching some sports change their rules just so we can get it in and, you know, rather condensing everything down. This is, you know, we're on track for a normal NFL season with a normal schedule, a normal routine, normal preparation, normal 80,000 people in the stands, all the things that we consider normal. So we are just very thankful that we are at this place. And, you know, talking about the Giants specifically, we're going into training camp relatively quiet. I mean, if you just watch ESPN today, all it is is about the monumental news that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers worked out a deal. So he'll actually show up in camp, even though he has a contract. You know, you see things about Deshaun Watson, you know, all the legal mess he's in and they're trying to trade him and he doesn't want to be there. Giants have relatively no drama right now. I mean, 
unless you want to talk about how people just don't like Dave Gettleman and have drama in their head or, you know, our first topic that we're about to talk about, you know, and we'll have to rehash it again is Kadarius Tony, which again is not drama. It's, it's storylines that talking heads who have nothing else to talk about say, and the sheep just pair it back. So Grump, what do you make of this? this can we just say it once and for all, Kadarius Tony just going through training camp. That's all this is. That's all this is. Um, you know, there's there's bigger things to worry about, and you know what? I, I think I think the quiet off season, the good year last year, the good. I, I mean, I, I think most Giants fans are on the same page that they've had a good off season in terms of acquisitions and retentions and that sort of thing. Uh, and I think all of that has lent the fan base. It's lulled them into a, a safe space where small things are now casting a bigger shadow than they should. You know what I'm saying? Um, and what we're dealing with with Kendarius Tony is not its not a big deal. I mean, a couple of years ago, the Giants drafted Prince of Mucamera, Okay, First round... Uh, it, it, great pick. He fell. Um, they, they picked him up. I was real excited. He was a holdout. This was... Uh, I don't even know if this was before the CBA. It might have been the year before the CBA worked out. But, uh, you know, he had the holdout. He didn't do shit until, like, late in training camp and then immediately broke a bone in his foot and was out. That's... And that is... That is what it is. The NFL is a business. The players, you know bargain for what they can do and people get hurt and it just all happened at once so no blame really to prince mukamara but that's an actual problem what we're dealing with with Kadarius tony is really nothing i mean he doesn't have a checkered past as much as people want to think that he does you know the fact that we have to dissect minor details and argue about it should tell you that it's not enough um and you know, his music and who cares? You know, I, I don't care about any of that. The biggest thing is, is that, you know, when when uh, the medical check-in happened late last week, I think it was Thursday, um, he tested positive for COVID. Um, and I, I understand the fan reaction here because that's also lumped into the just feeling like we're past this already with COVID and not wanting to deal with it anymore and just hoping it's not a thing. Um, this this is not a political statement. This is a fact. No, yeah, yeah. I'm not, there are 40 percent of this population has not been vaccinated. So to think that the pandemic is over when almost half the people are still just as susceptible now as they were a year and a half ago means people are still going to get infected. That's a fact. That's not a political statement. That is a simple. That is math. And we don't know whether Kadarius Tony has been vaccinated or not. It doesn't matter. You know, we'd like everybody to be vaccinated, but, you know, if he didn't, it's irrelevant to if you if you're trying to lump in him not getting vaccinated and getting COVID with the fact that his shoes didn't fit. <laughs> I mean, I think that's or, or the fact that, well, he wants to be a rapper or any other thing that you find distracting to you, which this organization publicly or privately has not said one shred of evidence is getting frustrated with, that's on you. And that's a hang-up you probably have 
you know, probably because you didn't think they should have drafted him in the first place. You know, maybe you're a Seminole who hates Gators. Maybe, you know, just whatever reason. Uh, you just don't like Dave Gettleman and you don't like anything he does. So you are going to project those negative things on this guy and make mountains out of every little molehill that happens. The, the, the bottom line, none of this is impacting anything right now. He's not falling up the depth chart because of it. He's not behind like some of you think he is. It's just little stupid shit that just keeps sort of ha- finding him. He's not finding any of this stuff. Well, it's also important to know that he isn't really, he hasn't, this hasn't prevented him from doing anything yet. I mean, he's not really, he's not in the thick of it. You know what I mean? He just came from what's essentially vacation, you know, between spring and late summer for these guys is their vacation, you know? Uh, and if you're really good, you only get a vacation from February to to what May, and then and then again in the summer. So I mean, this is this is his vacation. This is his time to himself before it's work, 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 work. So it's not as if this has been a constant thing preventing him from working at all. Um, the most, you know, and and this is this is going to be me speculating just a little bit, but it appears to me that Kadarius Tony did not know that he was infected. He showed up to his medical, and I assume there's, you know, a test for everybody when they get there, and it came back positive because all we're hearing is that he's got a quarantine. Um, so I don't think we're going to have to worry too much about side effects because it sounds to me like he didn't even know he had any symptoms. He may not have had any symptoms. He may have just shown up, and they're like, you have it. And he's like, okay. Um, so... You know, I don't think we have to worry too much about shortness of breath or anything affecting his training camp. I think it just is a matter of he cannot be around anyone on the team. Yeah, but, but I think the fan base, you know, and a lot of the writers and stuff, the, the concern with Kadarius Tony is not his health after, you know, contracting COVID. So, what happens next? The, the, the question that people have on their minds, and we are here to calm people down and get them off the ledge, is, oh, this is another in a series of situations that are is attached to this one guy is well, this also, something so that's like, he just got he just got sick i mean if this was a dory jackson does that mean it's a bad signing if this is you know sterling shepherd does that mean that we're gonna have to cut him he's a little late in his contract you know do we need him anymore with Kadarius tony no none of the covid does not affect no no no, no, no. You're, you're, missing, you're missing my you're missing my point that every little thing in itself are little insignificant things but i think the problem is that there is growing momentum with a lot of fans that this COVID is another one of things that have happened this off season with this one guy. And it's like, it's not in COVID in itself, but it's like, now what we had the shoe thing. We had, you know, the baggage stories come out, all this stuff that, you know, the, he wouldn't practice without the waiver, all, you know, with the waiver, all this stuff. And it's like, people have already developed. A lot of people have developed an opinion about Kadarius Tony and we can't stress enough that all of this is all of these things are super minor. They don't they're not related. They're not one became the other, became the other, became the other. He's having rather bad luck with having headlines about him. Then again, he hasn't done anything to say he's like a troublemaker. It's like the thing with the shoes. He didn't go out and become a prima donna and say these shoes don't work for him. That, 
playing in these shoes. He didn't, you know, go out and do a Rudy Gobert and touch everything to get all of a sudden get COVID. These things are just sort of happening to him. But this fan base has to stop with this, you know, growing feeling that he's a problem. He's not a problem. I think it's I think it's a loud minority of people. And I think most of the people are just excited to see him play. I think that's most people. And I, I refuse to lump Giants fans to uh, to that loud minority. So, you know, if, if at any point you're you're making an argument that somebody is not a good player and you have to use the phrase the shoe thing, then your argument is already invalid. It, it, it's Again, it's not any individual. Every individual thing is minor and silly. But I think too many people, whether it's a vocal minority or, it's, you know, people, the first thing they think of, they think of Kadarius Tony at this moment, it's, man, this guy's done a lot of shit this offseason. There's been too much noise about him, and it's not fair to him. Well, I'm not going to make any judgment about any player who hasn't done an NFL practice yet. And it's not his fault he hasn't done one because today is the first practice. So whatever. I'm going to see what he does. So I recommend you all do the same. And there's plenty of good, exciting news for you guys to watch. Kadarius Tony was probably not a day one starter rep guy anyway. So... Just enjoy the practice and watch what it is and just wait for Kadarius Tony to go out there and practice and then you can form your opinion with all of the information about who he is. What you see on the field, what you see in practice, what you hear from the coaches, you put that all together and then develop your opinion. Give him a chance. The, the bottom line, Grump, is the first time he shakes loose off somebody and breaks out for a 60-yard gain, all of this shit is, is going to be forgotten. And it's like, damn, we got a playmaker on this team something with a unique skill set that not many people in this league do have. And for you, most of you people who don't know him again, I probably seen him more than anybody in earshot of my voice right now. And I can tell you, we are getting a weapon we haven't had since Odell Beckham. He may not be Odell Beckham, but he could be an Odell Beckham light. And for the moves he has, his kind of wiggle on the field. The guy is exciting. The guy is a playmaker. The guy makes things happen out of nothing. And, you know, you're hearing all the crazy shit because we're in silly season. Silly season ended today because now we have practice. Wait to see him on the field. That's all I got to say. And then hopefully your opinions will change. Well, one of the things I'm I'm really excited for and what I'm focusing on in this this preseason games – Etc. is is going to be the the secondary, and that's what we're going to cover a little bit today. But I think it's I'm not just saying that as like a segue. I'm legitimately I really feel that way, and the reason why is because we all think that Patrick Graham prefers to have a man cover system, and he truly just didn't have it last year. There was too much of a void opposite of James Bradbury. It is what it is. He adjusted his system midway through the year to accommodate the talent that he had. I don't think that it is the system he wanted to run. I think he wants to confuse even more by mixing man and zone a whole lot and disguising coverages and bringing blitzes and leaving guys out on an island I think is something he really likes to do and just couldn't do last year. Well, the Giants went out and they got themselves to play opposite James Bradbury and and allow that to happen. So I'm interested in seeing how this all fits. The Giants have assembled a secondary that is... I think you can make an argument on paper is 
top five in the league. Definitely top ten. I don't even think that's an argument. On paper only. Names, stats, accolades. And, and it's amazing. You know, we all want to, you know, dump on Gettleman. We're about two years removed from having one of the worst secondaries in the league. For, again, for reasons that were kind of out of the Giants' control, some things that were in the Giants' control. Regardless, this secondary was atrocious. And we were incredibly thin because of guys not panning out, you know, guys getting in trouble, guys just, you know, flaming out. Where we were getting, we went from a, a secondary in two years from guys coming off the street and playing to having, you know, one of the best ones in the league and a deep one as well. Yeah, so let's let's get right into it. Let's let's talk about this. So, you know, at corner we have James Bradbury, who was I, I wouldn't say an unsung hero. I think he was his praises he was were a sung very loudly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we kind of look at the defense as having three stars last year and one at each level. You know, one was Leonard Williams, one was Blake Martinez, and one was James Bradbury. Clearly, the star in the secondary. Let me um, let me ask you a question, Grump. Uh, Coming into last year, <clears throat> how much did he ex- did he exceed your expectations? And if he did, how much did he exceed your expectations? And also, do you feel how successful he was last year is sustainable, or is it just kind of he just had a career year? No, um, I I've thought highly of James Bradbury since he was drafted. Um, I watched all of it. that. That was when I was like I was already into watching college tape and and. You know, getting my bearings on dudes, and and I I liked James Bradbury, and I watched him. He was one of those small school guys. You know, he, he came out of Samford, so he's somebody that I you know you watch in college, and you're like this guy's really good, but you know I gotta see how it happens at the NFL level. And he was good at the NFL level. He took those steps year after year, getting better. So I knew coming in who he was. The secondary as a whole works together, though. So. How well he did was really how the fact that he was playing at my expectations meant that the whole secondary was playing a little bit better than I thought, um, and the defense collectively played way better than I thought. So Patrick Graham, I think, is the guy that you can really say, as far as last year goes, is you know the the mastermind back there. But he, what he did, the way he schemed things, allowed James Bradbury to play at the high level that he can. You know, if he just decided he was going to be a stubborn dick and be like, I run a man cover system and we're going to blitz off of it and leave guys on islands, no one was even going to throw at James Bradbury. They would just eat Isaac Yadam up in, in man coverage all the time. And we wouldn't be able to say that James Bradbury was worth his contract because no one would even throw at him at that point. Why would you bother? You'd always have somebody open on the other side. And we wouldn't look at Bradbury as a shutdown. We wouldn't look at anybody in the secondary as being a shutdown anything. So he came and performed at my expectations. I really expect something crazy this year. Um, and, and, and let's get into it here. So we, the penciled-in starters here, and you, you can agree or disagree with me here, Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury on the outside, and I'm going to pencil in Darnay Holmes in the slot. I I am as well. Yeah, we're on the same. It gets a little tricky because we'll, we'll talk about Logan Ryan in a little bit, but I, I, I did my best to separate CBs from safeties. Logan Ryan and Julian Love are going to be a little bit, you know, they're going to find ways onto the field, whether that's a safety or, you know, money backer position or, or I, dude, I, I don't, yeah. 
they'll move around, they'll find a way into the field, but for that strict slot corner spot, I expect Darnay Holmes to be there. And uh, the way he played last year far exceeded my expectations for a rookie. I mean, he really... We saw what happened to the games that he wasn't able to play um, and, and how that affected this defense. And I expect him to continue to get better. You know, the, the game speed is so different. You come from UCLA and then you come to the NFL level. We're not talking the same thing at all. So his adjustments were pro level. They're, they're what I would expect, honestly, not what he put on the field, but his adjustment, how natural he felt pretty quickly is what I expect out of like a first, second round pick. Really. I mean, I don't expect a whole lot from third, fourth round picks to pick it up that quickly, and, and he did. And that might be some credit to Graham. I don't know. It might be credit to Judge being a good teacher. Regardless, some credit has to go to the guy, and I, I give it to Darnay Holmes. And it's very important for a guy like him to keep developing because, you know, the core of this, you know, of the DBs, these are free agents. These aren't the youngest guys in the world. And... At some point, it won't be this year, it probably won't be next year, but the year after, you know, when you start thinking about the salary cap and who may be cap hits in the future and guys moving on from, you know, you want to make sure you even have a succession place, a plan in place going forward. So a guy like him is definitely one of the younger guys that we need to nurture and kind of, you know, keep developing. So in the event you know, a Bradbury gets cut after 2022 or something, you know, we have that continuality and, and he's, you know, just replaces, you know, who, who's starting where. And, and, you know, it is important that he continues to develop and the Giants didn't secure anything for him. I mean, they went right out and drafted Aaron Robinson very high in the draft at a UCF plays basically the same position. There's already some discussion as to who's going to get the starter snaps and whatever. Don't focus on that guys. Just focus on the fact that Aaron Robinson could or could not play. Just, just you look at Dar- Darnay Holmes and look at if he developed from last year, how is he looking? And you look at Aaron Robinson separately and say, is he good enough to see playing time? Because what I think will happen is if Darnay Holmes is continuing to improve, if Aaron Robinson is ready to see some playing time, they will mix and match based on personnel, based on scouting, based on film room, based on practice, based on their opponent. You know, they're going to mix and match because their skills, they play the same position, but they, they do things a little bit differently as far as what who's better at what. And Aaron Robinson's very physical. He's He has incredible closing speed. He's not as sure as Darnay Holmes. He might make a mistake. But he'll make it at a million miles an hour. So, well, he's also he, going to be a rookie. I mean, he's still pretty raw at this thing. We were talking about two guys that are having a combined one year of experience who are going to be playing major, major roles. And you're right. Don't get hung up on who's the starter. It's more important. Like, if it's third and seven in a key spot in the game, who's on the field? You know, if it's third and third and three, who's on the field? That's what, that's what we need to really look at and focus. Look at snap counts during a game. If you're seeing a pretty good mix of, you know, the, the top four, top five corners of how many snaps they're getting on the field, that's a bigger sign. If you see someone like, you know, Robinson only getting like 10 snaps a game because, you know, that probably means there's a problem somewhere. So, again, everybody focuses way too much on who the starters are in week one. It's irrelevant. It's who's playing in crunch time. 
that's what's important. Yeah. And 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 again, you'll look at who they have them line up against. I mean, if, you know, Aaron Robinson is being told that he's lining up against Michael Thomas in New Orleans, you know, that is a that that's, you know, quite an endorsement, you know, we trust you to do this. Um you know, it's all relative. So just just take it a little bit at a time. Don't don't get hung up on the on the battle and who's going to start. Especially since we saw last year that guys move all over the place. Patrick Graham disguises coverages. I have to watch the clip eleven times to even figure out what happened pre-snap and post-snap. So it, it I I wouldn't get too worried about that. Just see how he does and if he does well enough to earn that time on the field. If he even belongs there, that's that's good enough. But he's not the only DB that was drafted. They also went out and got Rodarius Williams from Oklahoma State. He's an outside guy, and he's a fast guy, and he's a tall guy, and um, I don't like him as much. I had my reservations because he is, I mean, man, in run support, he's non-existent. So this is going to be interesting. We have a draft pick who has a clear deficiency somewhere that they're going to have to work out of him, in my opinion. And you have a guy last year that they, they went out and got Isaac Yadam. He, he really stabilized that other corner spot. He's not going to be great in man coverage, but he is going to handle zone. So he, he serves a purpose. And not only that, he played well last year, and he, he played better as the season went on as well. So he is not – just because they upgraded does not mean that he is automatically kicked to the curb. Depth is important, and also he has a different skill set entirely from Rodarius Williams. He's not a man cover corner like Rodarius is. So – it's going to be interesting. I don't know. You know, we look at this, you know, with Bradbury, Jackson, Holmes, Robinson's probably making this roster, you know, being as high a draft pick as he was. Now you have Yadam and Williams. We're already looking at six DBs already. So I'm not totally sure that Rodarius Williams is making the 53-man roster. Nor am I sure that Isaac Yadam is because... Playing good last year doesn't guarantee you anything. So, in my honest opinion, I think that you're looking at one of those two guys. Uh, Rodarius Williams could make the practice squad still. So, that's something to keep in mind. Now, I could be totally wrong. Both of these guys could make the roster. But that's just my gut feeling. When I look at this, you're already looking at, you know, six guys in the, in the defensive backfield. And none of them are really playing too many special teams. My thought is that Isaac Gata might be the odd man out just for the fact that, you know, if they're so close, they may just go with the younger guy and have longer, you know, a little cheaper, a little more, another year team control for somebody. I, I want, I want to think that, but you know, again, also, I don't want no experience on the bench either. I don't want the first two guys off the bench to both be rookies. You know, that I would like some experience back there on the outside. So but, but, but again, I'm not going to do that at the expense of the better guy, you know, or if, or if they're real close, they both, they're both, you know, negligible. You could flip a coin, you know, going with the younger guy, who's also the cheaper guy, by the way, um, mm-hmm. is probably the best bet. But you've really got to be sure that they're that close. Uh, so well, that's, why we have, that's why we have training camp. That's why we get that, preseason this year, too. And that's why coaches value training camp, and that's why coaches want – as many preseason games as possible. It's preseason games are not for your entertainment. 
preseason games are for coaches to do a very important job in their evaluation. What do these guys do when the lights turn on and they're playing at real speed? Yes. It's different. It's different than inner squad scrimmages. It's different than, you know, hitting the tackling dummy. It's different than drills. It's real. It's as real as you can get without actually being week one. So that's why that's why there's as many games as possible to make these important decisions. And these are important decisions because you know, right now we're saying, oh, it's so great they have all this depth and it's top-heavy and we were talking about six, seven guys. You know, one week can go by in the NFL and all of a sudden you lose two corners and all of a sudden you're screwed. You know, and your depth is completely gone and you have a, a razor-thin margin of error for something really bad happening. Was it 2017 when four wide receivers got hurt in one game? Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't count on something like that to happen, but it's certainly possible. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start because I mentioned special teams and, you know, DBs, there's always DBs that play specials. It's just the nature of the position. You know, they're leaner guys, they're faster, they get downfield, etc. Um, I'm going to name some guys that maybe you guys think are nobodies, but they're important. Okay, I'm going to list them off and then we'll discuss them a little bit, just a little bit. Madre Harper, Chris Milton, Jaron Williams, and Josh Kalu. Okay. Not four names that I, I'm sure Giants fans know all four of them. You know, I'm not, I'm not real sure of that. But they all bring something to the table that the first six guys I mentioned don't. And that's special teams play. Madre Harper played in nine games for the Giants last year. That's not a small number. He played only 37 defensive snaps and 116 on specials. Of course, again, I'm going to say this. What you did last year does not guarantee you anything. But he does have a leg up on the other three. You know, Chris Milton... He's a specials guy as well. Most notably, seven block kicks at Georgia Tech. I know it's Georgia Tech, but still, seven block kicks is seven block. And special teams is... Yeah, but, Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech is playing Clemson. Georgia Tech is playing North Carolina. Georgia Tech is playing good teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. Not like they were playing Elon you know, for their whole schedule. Yeah. Um, so certainly somebody that can make it, can find his way in a roster. And, you know, every year we have guys in the roster that have very minimal DB snap counts, but they play on specials. And maybe you don't see them. Maybe they don't make a splash to you. But the coaches notice. So it's, it's, it's not without merit. Especially this coaching staff, which has such deep roots and background in special teams. Do they need to they may be looking at things that, you know, other coaches aren't looking at in those qualities. Last year, Jaron Williams was active for two games. He played mostly specials. But, again, he's, he's a guy who's uh, at least got some level of legacy. He's familiar with Joe Judge. They're familiar with him. They know what they have with him. And I believe he was like a either a practice squad poach or, or uh, like an undrafted free agent. But he stuck. You know, that's he made his way on here onto the practice squad and then eventually to the active roster where he played two games. You know, he earned it last year. There's no reason to think he can't this year. Josh Kalu, you know, this is a guy who's with Tennessee for three years and over those three years, sixty percent of their special team snaps over sixty percent of the special team snaps he was involved in. So another guy with plenty of specials experience. Of those four guys, at least one of them, as of right now, with no Nate Ebner on the roster or whatever, I think one of those four guys is making the active roster. The first cut down, the all giants cut down, not before they start moving around, you know, 
guys who got cut from other teams. But I think at least one of those four is going to make the team. I don't be shocked when it happens. I think it's totally realistic and, you know, expectations should be as such. Yeah. Now, of course, that leaves three guys on the outside looking in. Now, it may be possible that none of those three guys make it at all. I think it's possible that one of these three do. And that's because they're all outside corners and they have limited specials play. And that's Montre Hartage, Sam Beal, and Quincy Wilson. You know, Montre Hartage played two games last year, all at DB, but, you know, no special snaps. He was insurance for when shit was hitting the fan. Do we need that this year? Do we need him as insurance? Or is our insurance better this year? You know, with, with the upgrades made, where Isaac Yadam is now being discussed as somebody who may not even make the roster, was our starter last year, opposite James Bradbury. Is Montre Hardage the best insurance option we have? Maybe. Who am I to say? This training camp is for everyone to show what they can do. So possible, but definitely on the outside looking in. Sam Beal, I mean, plenty of talent. That's, that's the bigger story is Sam Beal. It's a guy that, you know, Giant fans have heard the name for a couple of years and have been just waiting and waiting and waiting and a little bit like the story with Kadarius Tony, where a lot of things happened out of his control that have set him back. It's and true. Still has, still has the same talent we thought he did three years ago. Just never hasn't had the opportunity. Now, this year he's completely healthy. He might be just because we forgot about him. Might be the surprise guy who sticks on a roster and has a, a bigger spot in the rotation than we think. I just think he's kind of an out of sight, out of mind guy right now, and people are down on him. And he's not thirty; he's what twenty three at this point. Uh, twenty four. Um, That's it's the same, same thing. But but you're right. You know, the, the injured shoulder is what it is. Uh, it, it got hurt, then he played some games and got hurt again, and you know, over the summer gets arrested for possession of a firearm in Ohio. Um, and then before his hearing, chooses to just take the year off with the COVID thing that he, the COVID option that he and every other player were given to clear all that shit up. It's a new year. He hasn't had a chance to show Joe Judge anything. So, you know, the talent's there. You know, if he just goes there and he's healthy and he just shows up and works and does his thing, he has a shot. But also, he's not getting any younger and he's done enough for Joe Judge to look at and be like, we're cutting ties with him. You know what I mean? The, he, he wasn't, he's not a significant enough investment to waste a roster space on when they're as good as they are. So he's going to have to show up and do it. And he can, but he's definitely at this point on the outside looking in. You'd agree? Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think it's a question of because of the talent around him. is the, 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 over, the talent room has been elevated a lot more around him. Right. I think that's the bigger issue for him than him just – not showing what he can do. I mean, he might be... Well, it's, not exactly pro- it's not his fault that he was hurt. We all agree that, right. right? Right. That's the thing. You know, taking the COVID year off, I mean, that's his right to do so. That's what was in, agreed upon by the union and the, and, and, the, and, the, and the teams. And if you don't like that, it was an agreed deal. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think... Uh, Again, we, we use a supplemental pick on him, so if you, if you kind of feel like you have to use him and you're forced to, but this was not a pick from Joe Judge's regime. This was a Gettleman pick, but not the head coaches. So 
he's under no obligation to have to keep him. I think he goes out if he's healthy and he competes. And again, where this makes that room a stronger room, the competition better. And he might earn his way onto the roster again. And if he did, that means he's playing really well and we have a better piece on the roster. We're not settling for Sam Beal. He's not making the roster just because of his heritage on the team and his draft position and the uniqueness of it or any favors. And he's going to have to earn it. And if he makes it, he's earned it, and I'm fine. And then that brings us to former Gator Quincy Wilson. Quincy Wilson hasn't had the illustrious career that I expected, you know, when I watched him at Florida. I mean, I didn't expect him to be all pro or anything like that, but I thought he would be a competent starter in this league. And he's he's on the outside looking in, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think he, even from when he was brought into now, the room has just gotten so much better that it, you know, it, it elevated around him and he has to, be significantly better than they thought when they got him to make this roster. Right. And I think, I think it's possible to see one of those guys or none of those guys, you know, um, neither would surprise me. What would surprise me is if two or all three of them stay. I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I mean, the only reason that could possibly happen if we do have injuries in camp and got have to go into the IR to start the season or uh, God forbid, Somebody has to be out for the year with an injury. I mean, it's possible. It does, that scenario, yeah. But I think with the normal level of attrition for injuries that you can kind of expect and to be reasonable, I would find it very difficult that more than one of them makes it as an out. But there's still outsiders looking in anyway. And that brings us to the safety position, which is a lot more stable, a lot less questions. Now, of course, DBs are somewhat interchangeable and whatever. But just in general, this is a little bit clearer of a picture. You know, obviously we have Jabril Peppers, you know, first round pick in there, starter. Xavier McKinney, last year's second round pick, should have been a first round pick. He's back there, and he's and, healthy now. And he's healthy now. You know, when, when he played, when he was healthy last year, I mean, the dude looked pretty damn good. You know, considering the amount of time he missed, I was surprised at how good he looked. Um, and then you've got Logan Ryan in there. I I put him in there because. I don't know. I guess I guess I'm putting him there because I don't think that he's going to be much of those press man kind of thing that I'm expecting from Patrick Graham. But whatever, it doesn't matter. Logan Ryan, I'm, I'm penciling in as a you know whatever air quotes safety starter. Um, and then behind him, everything is a lot clearer. I mean, you have Julian Love and Jordan Peters, who was just picked up by I don't know like a week and a half ago maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Love has been. You know, when he fell as far as he did in the draft uh, two years ago or, or whatever, um, that was surprising to me. And I thought it was a great pick at the time. But I also thought, you know, he's got some speed issues. I'm not really sure. He's worth the gamble, but we'll see how he does. And I think he's played pretty damn good. I mean, especially he's, he's filled in at a number of positions. He's very versatile. You know, he doesn't have that outside corner speed, but that's not where they're putting him. And, you know, qu- quite frankly... He looks pretty good in Jerome Peppers' spot. You know, comes right up and makes really good form tackles. He's a smart player. He's a good player. He's earned a spot on this team the last couple of years. I think he gets one again this year as your as your you know backup safety. I like Julian Love for this team. Let's talk about uh, Peppers for a second. What? Where do you see him? Do you see him in a giant uniform in two years? 
I can both see him in a Giants uniform and I can see him in another uniform in two years. Both are equally plausible. Yeah, I'm just curious of how if he is somebody where he's going to command, you know, a lot, a lot of money. And, you know, wondering if like you're saying that Julian Love plays the same position and we're, we have high hopes for him, that they just might say, might let him walk. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, you know, for that reason. Um, I think that Julian Love has looked at his best filling in in that Peppers kind of spot. You know, I think McKinney has some has some ability that transfers over to Jabril Peppers. You know, McKinney, I, in my opinion, and I might be you know one of the the few, I guess, but I think he can play the single high center field safety pretty well. I don't think he's Sean Taylor back there or anything like that, or, or Earl Thomas or anything like that. But but I think he can do that. Um, but he also can play Jabril Peppers spot. So it you know it depends. You know there might be. And I haven't done enough research in the safety spot for coming into next year. There might be a perfect free safety coming out of the draft that the Giants would like to get, and they could just rotate McKinney into Jabril Pepper spot and let Peppers walk. And now you have a cheaper secondary that just functions slightly differently. Um, or, you know, maybe there's another Jabril Pepper style strong safety in the box safety, whatever you want to call it, coming out of the draft. That's also a cheaper replacement. You just do that. Um, or maybe there isn't, and Jabril Peppers proves himself to be an important piece of the defensive backfield that you can't lose because he's also a good special teams guy and, you know, whatever, then you pay him. I mean, all of these things, to me, are equally plausible. They're all plausible, and the Giants are going to do what's best for them. If they don't feel like Peppers is going to be worth what he's demanding and what he commands on the open market, they will let him walk because he's not a quarterback. He's not so far has not been like a game break guy as much as I love him. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, all of those things are just as plausible for me. I got to see how things play out. Uh, I think the more days that go by without an extension for him, the less and less likely, likely it is that he returns as a giant. That's kind of the tea leaves that I'm reading right now too, as well. It's like, you know, you're going to start hearing some clamoring about when, you're going to, when are we going to re-sign him? Are they going to extend him or not? And I think you're right. The silence will be very loud. Uh, silence. The silence will be very loud if he hasn't been re-signed. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm total agreement with you. And that leaves Jordan Peters, who the Giants just picked up. Another specials guy. He blocked four kicks at Auburn is really all I've got at him. But yeah, really... Another special teams guy, he's going to be in the mix with that other group of four guys that I talked about at the at the corner position. Uh, not, I'm not saying that specials is so important that they need to have, but you do need guys to place, but you need to field 11 guys out there, period. And you need them to do their job, and you need them to not get hurt. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't. You don't want to put all of your starters out there as your special teams guys or everybody you're expecting a contribution from. You know, that's why these special teams guys exist. It's because, yeah, they can play linebacker, but what am I? I'm better than most other guys in the league at is running downfield on a kickoff, shedding blocks, and just annihilating the kick returner. Those guys exist for that reason, and the Giants need to have those guys ready to play, a couple of them, 
ready to play every Sunday. So Jordan Peters has just as much of a shot as Madre Harper, Chris Milton, Jaron Williams, and Josh Kalu. So it's the kind of thing that I don't think that Giants fans are going to be able to see in training camp clips and practices. So when the 53-man roster comes out and you see that Man, I, I don't know. Rodarius Williams is on the practice squad, but somebody named Chris Milton that you might have read once or heard on my podcast one time, he made the team. How is that possible? What are they doing? Joe Judge doesn't know what he's doing. He's a special teams coach, and that's all he cares about. He cares about everything. Special teams is part of the game. You need a guy to play there. Maybe that's why. Um, just some things to keep in mind. But most importantly, what I want everyone to do is enjoy training camp enjoy preseason we have it this year we didn't last year okay just enjoy it don't get all hung up on shoes not fitting or guys showing up and they're sick or you know he drops the pass just enjoy the fact that you get clips and and whatever and we get to watch preseason games and then we can be critical you know don't ex- my my advice would be don't extrapolate everything you little every little thing that you see into making some definitive statement about anything because for every clip you see for every play you see every snap in a, in a training camp in a, in a preseason game the coaches have seen 50 fold more than you have with a more experienced and knowledgeable eye than you have so you know just because you saw in a preseason game somebody whiff on a block or drop a ball in coverage or do whatever. Believe me, a thousand things happened before that, that the coaches are making their evaluations on and have the, the full picture. So to Grump's point, don't freak out and don't stress about everything. And I'm going to give you one more piece of solid advice. Okay. Are you ready? It's training camp. So follow me on Twitter at football underscore Grump. There's going to be a lot of interesting things going around. Things that may not seem interesting at face value, but in the moment you're going to like seeing. I just saw Sterling Shepard pull this in with his fingertips over the top of Adoree Jackson for a touchdown. What a great throw by Daniel Jones, says Art Stapleton, retweeted by football underscore grump. That's the kind of shit that you're going to want to see. It's going to make you happy. It's good information. It's enjoyable information. So be sure to give me a follow on Twitter. Grump's really working on his uh, his segue game. You know, he's understated before about something, but he's got, you've had, had three very nice segues today. So bravo to you. You you're not in training camp mode. You are almost ready for the playoffs for segues. I'm excited, man. I did this sober and everything. Yeah, so good work by you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can catch me as always at the Cranky Fan, where you know we obviously you're talking about the Giants and, and training camp beginning. And I'll have my thoughts and, and predictions about things. But we also have, well, I have. I don't know about a lot about you Yankee fans, but I still have a pennant race to worry about for baseball. Um, we'll talk about the Rays. We'll talk about, you know, we're also about six, seven weeks away from the start of college football. This is going to be a crazy college football season. You know, the whole landscape may be changing by the time the first snap happens in September with, you know, conferences getting all jumbled up again. So I'll be talking about that, of course. So um, as always, catch me at the Cranky Fan. And be sure to follow the podcast at Just Giants Pod on Twitter, as well as subscribing to it for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Because 
you know, with training camp in preseason comes big news in the middle of the week. You know, we might sign someone, we might cut someone, somebody might get hurt, somebody might be amazing. There might be bonus episodes in the middle of the week. You know, we're going to do these every Monday night for your listening pleasure Tuesday morning. But there might be something worth talking about in the moment on a Thursday night so that you can hear it on Friday or, or even a Saturday that you can hear it on Sunday because there will be immediate news sometimes. And, that you know, that this – what I'm saying right now applies starting today all the way through the end of the regular season into the playoffs. Yes, I will make a note to myself to actually pack my headphones wherever I go in case that bonus episode does – you know, we need to have that uh, – that special time to talk to you guys. (laughs) Yes. So be sure to come back for our next special time. Um, (laughs) Special. Yeah. And, and (laughs) now girls, it's special time. (laughs) Um, And you know where to find us. So we will see you next week. I hope you guys all enjoy the first week of training camp. I know I will. We'll see you next week. Go Go Giants. Giants.